Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Support for this podcast comes from Healthnetics. Do you have nagging aches and pains from your younger, more athletic days? Healthnetics CBD is a premium brand CBD that may help take care of aches and pains, as well as relieve anxiety and sleeplessness. Healthnetics products are all natural, THC-free, made in the USA, and undergo third-party lab testing to ensure quality and purity. All CBD is not the same. Order today with a money-back guarantee at healthnetics.com and use promo code SPORTS for 20% off. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's better than this? Guys being dudes. Welcome, everybody, to another edition of the Draft Dudes Podcast. What is better than hump day? I am Kyle Krabs, Director of Scouting and NDT Scouting, NFL Draft and NFL Analyst for FanRag Sports. I am your solo host for the day. We've given Joe the day off. I honestly think uh, I went down and visited Joe in Charlotte last weekend, and uh, I think he just has fatigue of me, so he asked for the day off to... Uh, clear his mind and get away from the quote-unquote the boss here at NDT Scouting. Uh, and I can't blame him. You know, I can be a little overbearing at times. And uh, so we're going to give Joe the day off. And uh, I'm going to capitalize on a discussion that I had had several weeks ago with former NFL scout, former um, ESPN um, researcher Gary Horton, who has now signed on here at FanRag Sports, and uh, he has proven over the course of the month or so uh, since it was announced that he's going to be contributing at FanRag to be just an absolute joy for me to talk to, a tremendous resource, uh, and somebody that brings a lot of historical experience working in the game and working with uh, very prominent people uh, that I would otherwise not have the opportunity to do. So uh, I'm very thankful uh, to have had the chance to talk with Gary, and I'm going to bring one of the key conversations that we shared uh, over the course of the past two weeks on the phone um, and bring my own scouting eye and insight into um, kind of 
just the general discussion on wide receivers and how they fit in today's game and the historical roles for each of these players and give you guys kind of a snapshot on what to look for. What to look for in an X receiver versus a Z receiver versus a slot receiver versus a tight end and a flex guy. And uh, There's so many different variations. Um, at the end of the day, you've got tight ends and wide receivers or pass catchers, if you will. But there's so many different roles that help give you know, perspective as to why um, a guy that wins in the slot will have a hard time working outside and, and ha- finding that same level of effectiveness. And uh, I, I guess before we get into the technical side of things, we need to define what each one of these roles are. So traditionally, you have an X, Y, and Z receiver. Uh, your X receiver is your split end. Uh, he is the, the, the receiver that is lined up uh, farthest away from the tight end. He's usually on the backside of the formation, up on the line of scrimmage. Your Y receiver is your inline tight end. Uh, if you detach that tight end and flex him out, he can be classified as a flex or a move. Or if you bring him and drop him off the line of scrimmage, maybe he's working to the same side uh, as your traditional X and you want to play him off the line of scrimmage, uh, he can be classified as an H-back. And your Z receiver uh, is your flanker. He is off the line of scrimmage, this is the player that typically will get put in motion or a slot receiver uh, before the snap to kind of shift the alignment to get a, a running start, manipulate the defense, put a tell out there so the quarterback uh, can read what the defense reacts to when that receiver goes in motion. So that's kind of a chess piece that, that teams will use is that motion to get the defense to dictate what it is that they're doing before the snap. Uh, Now that we've defined each one of those, I want to start working from the boundary and work our way in. So we're going to talk about X versus Z receivers and specifically how it relates to today's NFL. Uh, Your split end uh, has become a big, strong press beater. A lot of these guys in today's NFL are... uh, Guys that can make plays down the field. Um, Historically, we'll give a name like Michael Irvin. And that was the example that that Mr. Horton gave uh, when I had uh, spoke with him on the phone, talking about Michael Irvin credited a lot of his success as an NFL receiver to him being able to win early in reps at the line of scrimmage. He just physically overwhelmed press defenders at the line of scrimmage, and he is immediately open and available for big plays because he's separating so early on in his reps. Today's NFL, think guys like Des Bryant, another Dallas Cowboy, Mike Evans with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, uh, Julio Jones with the Atlanta Falcons, uh, Calvin Johnson when he was with the Detroit Lions. Uh, These are all names that fit that profile of your Big, strong, press-beating guys. Uh, There's more than one way to beat press. But in today's NFL, your quote-unquote alpha receivers, A, have to be able to win at the line of scrimmage. B, need to have a physical profile that allows them to break off large chunks of gain after the catch. And, And C, that size is really big for the prototype for a split-end receiver. Um, you compare that to the Z, uh, 
Z receivers are guys that work off the line of scrimmage a majority of the time. So now they do not have to beat press immediately at the snap. They are afforded an extra yard. So if teams want to press them, uh, Z receivers have to be quick with their feet. They need to be able to manipulate defenders at the line of scrimmage with their footwork and their steps as compared to uh, a flank or a split end that will just run right through that contact. Uh, that extra yard to work with allows them the space to take the steps needed to get off of press. Um, a big thing for a lot of the Z receivers is these are speedy guys as well. Because uh, if you if you as a defensive coordinator know that you cannot get a guy up in his face and you can't consistently guarantee that you're going to press him, you're not going to put a defensive back up in that situation. Uh, so the big thing that I'm looking for in a flanker receiver is if the defensive back is going to be playing off at the snap or off at the line of scrimmage or playing bail technique or anything that doesn't involve sitting and squatting on the line of scrimmage, I want them to have that speed, that pure speed versus the split end, the X, who can win early on in the route and then just have enough speed to be able to continue to capitalize. Uh, I want a flanker to be a little bit more of a burner because if you're going to play off because you know that pressed coverage is not going to be able to effectively stonewall that receiver at the line of scrimmage, um, I need to know that that Z receiver can really press hard up the field and force that off-coverage defender to respect his vertical element. Because if he does not affect or if he does not force that defensive back to respect his ability to run past him, he is going to squat, stay confident in where he's at on his platform. And if you're running any routes that break into the boundary, any shallow breaking routes into the middle of the field, or any routes that come back into the line of scrimmage, that defensive back is going to be afforded the opportunity to try and plant with a bucket step, drive on that football, and challenge the ball at the catch point. So that vertical element, that speed, when when that flanker has that room to work and teams concede, okay, we're not going to press, we're going to play him off and stay over top of him. Uh, I want that in my flanker receiver. Now, there are some elements to a Z versus a slot receiver uh, that are there. These are both guys that win with short area quickness. Uh, the difference between the two is both are quick, but that Z must be fast. You know, we just talked about the lack of a vertical element can allow defensive backs to jump on uh, on comeback breaks or, or breaks into the sideline. Uh, slot receivers win more with that short area quickness. Uh, a lot of teams, uh, when they're playing a slot guy in the middle, if they're working out a base personnel, that slot receiver is either going to draw a linebacker or a safety. In both of those situations, uh, unless you've got a really strong quality safety that's versatile and can drop down into the box, that slot receiver is going to be given the chance, whether by default with off coverage with the safety playing off the ball, or a linebacker that's trying to match up with them one-on-one, uh, to be able to separate early and work the middle of the field. Now this is the big thing between slots for me versus Z receivers. I need my slot guy to effectively run in breaking routes and I need him to be tough as hell because if he's not and he's working in between the hashes, uh, linebackers are going to step up and 
pop him and pop him hard. So he that slot receiver needs to be scrappy, where that Z receiver is afforded the opportunity to play with a little bit more finesse. He's uh, detached from the formation more. He is away from the traffic. Uh, now, of course, we want all of our receivers to be able to run any different myriad of routes and be able to run the full tree, as they say. But realistically speaking, alignments are going to dictate this. Uh, Z receivers on the boundary have to be able to run the comeback pattern much more effectively than a slot receiver who's going to be working in heavier congested areas amongst linebackers. That's a guy I want to be more comfortable to break off his routes with sight adjustments and be able to sit down in holes and make himself available uh, to the quarterback if the defense decides it wants to bring pressure. Uh, It's an interesting dynamic because there's some receivers you get into Uh, Say the New England Patriots with Julian Edelman. Edelman uh, can work out of the Z, uh, but depending on how they want to shuffle their guys around, and that's where New England is so good is playing this chess match, is now you can put Edelman inside at the slot, and because he's so tough, he can effectively run those routes over the middle of the field. He can get past the first down marker on third downs and have a direct target for Tom Brady to throw the football. You put him out on the boundary. Uh, No, he's not a true burner, but he's afforded that extra space uh, off the line of scrimmage. So often teams will play him off, and he is very effective with the ball in his hands early to make the most of those receptions. That's one thing I'm watching college tape. I'm watching spread offenses, these, these... smoke throws and quick screens and you know them combining that into vertical elements and and trying to throw over top of defensive backs that are sucking up to kind of honor those bubble screens and that's something that you can take away from the spread offenses for wide receivers it's a very difficult transition because so much of what they do is um you have to extrapolate out of the tape because the the ratio of space that they're working with in college to pros is not one to one uh I want Z receivers to be effective with those smoke and bubble throws because these are guys, again, that are going to be given the space. They're going to be played off much more frequently than an X receiver because they have, by default in the formation, they're given that extra yard to work. So those opportunities, a Julian Edelman, for example, that's why he's so damn good is because he can take that drop step, get his eyes inside and catch the ball, turn up field quickly, make a guy miss, uh, force a missed tackle, or juke somebody out, uh, let his block develop if if the tight end's releasing out uh, into space to kind of pick up uh, the the off corner who may be stepping up into the line of scrimmage uh, to challenge that play. These are the kinds of things you can take away from a spread offense receiver and say, okay, you know, we know we put him you know, to the same side as the tight end and we're given 9, 10 yards of cushion. Uh, we know we can get him the ball on a quick throw and rely on him to be able to make some guys miss. Now, that transition kind of brings us into tight ends and a traditional Y uh, inline tight end versus a flex move or H-back. Now, just for the course of this conversation, I'm going to classify them all as flex guys, guys that are detached from the formation, guys that are off the line of scrimmage. Um, The most important thing for an inline tight end, if you're going to play with your hand down in the dirt, obviously there's a, a blocking element here that's totally separate from this receiver's conversation. 
but your your Y guys have to have really good balance and functional strength um, against lateral contact. And what I mean by that is if I'm playing with my hand in the dirt, I've got a, a defensive end shaded to my outside eye. He's lined up outside of me to sustain, uh, contain in the running game. And, and he's playing outside in. And I have to release up the field. And I've got a linebacker sitting at four or five directly head-to-head over top of me. Or maybe he's on my inside eye because that defensive end is shaded. Um, I know one of those guys, if not both, is going to be challenging me getting off the line of scrimmage. So as a Y, a guy that's playing hand-in-the-dirt in line, if I'm trying to step with my inside foot up the field, get uh, get depth and get quickly out to challenge the second level, and that defensive end steps down to try and chip off of me and disrupt me, uh, if that knocks me off course, if that knocks me a yard inside, if that you know forces me to slow down and recollect myself, that is a problem because a lot of these inside routes, whether you're slot, Y, flex, whatever, so many of them win effectively with timing. They win with the three-step game. Uh, your, your quick slant patterns, your, uh, your quick sit-down stick routes. Uh, maybe you're talking five-step drop from a traditional under-center position, and you've got to press uh, to 12 and then break in or out and run the dig pattern. Um, and if you are off kilter there, when the quarterback's back foot hits the ground and you're not at the top of your route, breaking away from a defender into space, you know, that throws off the synchrony of the entire play. That's going to force the quarterback to go on, move on to a different read. So that balance and functional strength to play off of defensive ends, linebackers, safeties, whoever, that is trying to disrupt you as you're working off the line of scrimmage, that's essential. Think of a guy like Evan Ingram now. Evan Ingram uh, doesn't have that functional strength. He is fast as hell, so that's fine. You might move him off the line of scrimmage. What I mean by that is just like a, uh, a Z receiver is afforded the opportunity to play a yard off the line of scrimmage. If I'm going to put a guy in an H-back position where he's still outside of the offensive tackle, but now he's detached from the alignment because he's off the line of scrimmage, he now has that extra yard to work. So a defensive end may challenge him, but if they do challenge him, then screw it. I'm going to have my offensive tackle uh, block him out. I have the guard pull around, and I'm going to run right through the B-gap. If that defensive end is going to start playing around with that off-the-line-of-scrimmage tight end, now you're setting yourself up for success in other ways. So the tight end is uh, off-the-line-of-scrimmage, that H-back position, you know, you can start to kind of play chess depending on how they play you and decide where you want to go. If you want to run the ball, if they're really going to try to refuse to get beaten off the line. But say they, they let you go and you're off the line of scrimmage. Now you have the full yard of space to find an open avenue to press up the field. Um, that's where it matters and where... These, these players, these flex guys, can really be a true X factor. Imagine you're a defensive coordinator, and you're trying to pick up on offensive personnel so that you can get your defensive personnel set up appropriately to defend these guys. Somebody like 
Evan Ingram is going to make getting defensive personnel decisions uh, for teams playing the Giants extremely difficult. Because now this is a guy that can come in, he can play H, he can play move, he can, pl- he can be a guy that's formationed uh, in the backfield and motioned across, he can be a guy that's flexed out in the slot and essentially plays a big slot. He runs faster and has more of a vertical element than most slot receivers do in the NFL. So you may see them walking out with two receivers, a tight end in Evan Ingram, and two backs. And you may think, okay, they're coming out in, in traditional eye formation. Well, what happens now when they come out and they've got Ev- Ingram flexed out in the slot and they motion one of those backs who may happen to be a good pass catcher out to the other side? Now you've got a one-back formation and four, four receivers. You may be in base personnel and have three linebackers and two safeties on the field. You can't cover that. So that's a really interesting element to the game and, and an element to the game that I really appreciate. And that's something that, that I think I am going to continue to zero in on and dial in on is that move uh, flexibility. I don't think in today's NFL you can really bang players for. I don't think you you detract from a player. That's a change that I made a couple years ago. I believe it was 2015 in which I sat down and I looked at all of my traits for the tight end position. I said, you know what? This isn't really indicative of today's NFL in a perfect utopian position. Yeah. I've got a guy that's strong enough to play in line. I've got a guy that can block. I've got a guy that can get flexed out if he needs to be, and a guy that I can rely upon to quickly get over top of the linebackers up the hash and separate vertically. Uh, A guy like, ironically enough, O.J. Howard. We just have one of these guys come through the draft process this year. It's my tight end one this year. Um, I believe... He was the highest-graded tight end that I've put through going all the way back to 2014 when I did my first year of evaluations with NDT Scouting with this system. Now, this system has been tinkered with, but that won't change. Um, I've gone back and kind of retro-engineered the reports that I had done on the old formatting and the old weight system, and O.J. Howard comfortably... um, is still that top tight end. David Njoku is the the next closest, and Evan Engram is right there. That top group of three, this was a really special tight end class because all three of those guys have that element to their game where they can uh, catch a ball quickly and force missed tackles. They're going to provide their respective offenses with a lot of flexibility, and it's going to allow them to find mismatches on the field. That is what New England has done well for so long. It's why they've been so good. I expect Tampa Bay and Cleveland and the Giants to use these three guys in similar fashions in order to continue that trend. That's actually something I wrote about uh, at NDT Scouting. Dot com uh, just yesterday was I talked about trends in scouting, things that if you're looking to successfully forecast the draft, you have to be self-aware of what teams are finding success with and what players are in the draft that have similar traits to that so that teams can go out and look for that and try to emulate that. New England has killed people with tight ends for years. Uh, this kind of flex and detach tight end and move piece kinds of guys um, that started in this generation of the game with guys like Antonio Gates and Jimmy Graham uh, but if you're looking for uh, 
players, say like Mike Gusecki from Penn State or Dallas Goddard from uh, South Dakota State University, these are guys that move all over the place. They are guys that win vertically and up the hash, and they quickly uh, pressure defenses with their ability uh, to either force you to take a linebacker out, walk him out, and play man-to-man coverage against him, or you're going to get him on a safety, and the tight end's just so much bigger, he's going to pound the tar out of these guys on, on routes in which he's breaking at the top of his route stem and collisioning with the defensive back. So the tight end's Uh, I continue to find myself gravitating more and more towards as the true X factors in today's NFL. I think you're seeing a reflection of that in the way the game is played. And I hope uh, this kind of talk has given some of you some perspective on specific traits to look for. Your X receiver, big, strong, not necessarily a burner, but he's got enough juice, enough speed to be able to make big plays after winning early on against press coverage at the line of scrimmage. Your flanker receiver, your Z, he's not just quick, but he's also fast. He's got to force defensive backs. Once they concede, we can't press him at the line because he's got space. We have to play him off. He's going to press up the line, up the field and force them to honor his vertical ability so he can break whatever way he needs to without risking defensive backs jumping those routes. Your slot receivers are tough. They're middle-of-the-field guys. They win with short area quickness, and frequently they're getting matched up against safeties and linebackers. How well does he handle those situations? And then your Y versus flex guys, and why flex guys are no longer, that's no longer a bad thing. And you, you don't need to look any further than seeing the Rams selecting Gerald Everett to see what the NFL thinks of this situation because he is a pure move tight end taken in the top 50. Uh, I hope you guys enjoyed this conversation. I'm going to go ahead and wrap it here. Uh, I don't think I've taken a single breath yet, so it's going to be nice for me to catch my breath. Uh, thank you to all of you on Twitter who gave me feedback and expressed this might be something you were interested in listening to. Uh, a lot of positive feedback, a lot of interest, so I decided to jump on this opportunity. Uh, I also want to thank Gary Horton uh, for, for providing me kind of the inspiration and the organization to get this talk put together. Uh, Thank you to FanRag Sports. They continue to be uh, the best company that I could possibly hope to have the affiliation and work for. And uh, the creative uh, powers they give us as the hosts of the Draft Dude podcast and giving us the platform year-round, it's just tremendous. Uh, please, if you like the show, if you enjoyed this show, give us your feedback. You can reach me on Twitter. I am at NDT Scouting. Uh, You can find us on social media. Well, Facebook at facebook.com slash ndtscouting. You can visit us at ndtscouting.com. We've got a ton of great stuff that's going up on the site. Uh, I am Kyle Krabs, signing off for just myself today. Joe Marino will be back on Friday. Uh, enjoy your hump day. We will talk to you on Friday. This is the Draft Dudes Podcast. Hi, it's Jamie, progressive number one, number two employee. Leave a message at the... Hey, Jamie, it's me, Jamie. This is your daily pep talk. I know it's been rough going ever since people found out about your acapella group, Mad Harmony, but you will bounce back. I mean, you're the guy always helping people find coverage options with the Name Your Price tool. It should be you giving me the pep talk. Now get out there, hit that high note, and take Mad Harmony all the way to nationals this year! Sorry, it's pitchy. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.